step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite sources social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus i'm ken Apsuck, and this is daily thrones a quick look at the world of ice and fire and let's talk about essos more importantly let's talk about why isn't everyone running over to essos If the Whites can't swim and the Night King is leading his army of the dead down from the north in Westeros, what's going on over in Essos? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not naive to think that uh, the the narrow sea won't freeze over and maybe they could just walk on over and hope that the ice doesn't break. We also now have a dragon in place. Maybe the Night King wants to do a little flying and take things over, but... Would he bring Winter with him there? Is it just a matter of him going over, turning some people into whites and having a second army? Could he do that? Could he send one of his generals? Could he Could he do that while some of his top men, top men, take care of the war in Westeros? I think that is one way you'd have to look at it in story. I don't think it's as simple as you can sail across the 14 seas to other lands and be safe. Plus, I think, and totally correct me if I'm wrong, I think I've done some digging where there's some talk of another version of The Long Night, another retelling, a telling from a different point of view over in Essos. And there's a lot of secrets in A Shy by the Shadow. So uh, who's to say that the lands have always winter? don't somehow connect with Essos. Uh, we got to believe this planet, Planetos, I believe we're calling it, is round, right? Unless Arya is going to go west of west and just fall off the edge. So Essos isn't necessarily a safe spot. So is there anything, is there any worth in putting an SOS out for the armies of Essos? The Golden Company is coming this way to fight Cersei's war. But there's a lot of other swords and sword companies and mercenary groups. Would they be interested in joining the fight for a fair price? Would Volantis, Yunkai, Astapor, Marine, Karth, Bravos, Pentos? There's so many free cities there. What about the any lingering Dothraki? Could they join the fight? Could they be part of the solution? This is a worldwide problem, you think. Again... Euron says, I'll just sail to my island. But now that we have a dragon, we know that. They don't know that yet. But it'd just be a matter of uh, creating a few whites. And winter has come to Essos. Winter would come to Bear Island or the Iron Islands or the Summer Isles. 
it seems like no one is safe. So will that factor in at all? Will Essos just be a forgotten land like it was this season? This is the first and so far only season of Game of Thrones that did not really figure in Essos. Now, the Iron Bank of Bravos factored into the story. The Golden Companies factored into the story. So it's not like Essos is a forgotten land. It just wasn't a place we traveled to. It never showed up in the opening credits. So... What do you guys feel? What's the strategy with Essos? Is it a forgotten resource, an overlooked resource, or is it just something that we can deal with later? Let me know here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. We've been having some spirited debate over here, and my question is this. Uh, we've been teased for seven seasons now, the Clagane Bowl. Uh most people would think, including myself, that uh, that was going to happen at the season finale because where are you going to have time with only uh, six episodes left? Maybe they're an hour and a half long, maybe two hours, but where where does that fit in? So my question is, with so much hype, get hyped, that which, you know, that, that is hyped can never die. What does the Clagane Bowl need to look like to live up to the hype for you? Are they fighting on the top of the balance of the wall with the undead underneath them? Uh, are they fighting in, in um, uh, Winterfell, right, doing something crazy? What does the Cook Lane Bowl have to look like to live up to the hype for you? Thanks. Are we still hyped? Is the Clegane Bowl still something that we want to see? Kevin from Three Cocktail Questions is right. For a long time, we have all been getting hyped for a possible showdown between the Hound and the Mountain. We all thought it was coming. The book readers believed it. Gravedigger was clearly not just a gravedigger. And we saw Sir Robert Strong emerge from near death down in King's Landing. And we all knew that had to be the Mountain. The show jumped ahead of the books. And we knew everything that we thought seemed to be true. The Hound was alive. The Mountain was not quite dead. Cersei was going to need a champion. And the Faith was going to need someone to take on her champion. And we all thought it was the Hound who had refound himself. Reformed. Reformed. Reborn the Gravedigger. Now with a new purpose. It made sense. He was part of uh, part of the Faith in a roundabout sort of way. So it made sense how he would get down. We didn't need to know those details. But then... Tommen pulls a fast one. There's no trial by combat anymore. Cersei needs no champion. Can't take a champion. Takes out her opponents in a very different way. But then this season, we started to feel it. We started to believe the Hound was going north. But we all knew there was a shot of him down in King's Landing. And the trailer, we saw that. We believed it was him. Looked like the Dragon Pit. Looked like the Hound of the Silhouette. Could the Hound and the Mountain fight? And then, well... We got a confrontation, verbal, in the finale. And the Hound did warn the Mountain that he knows what's coming. Knows what's coming for him, knows who's coming for him, and the Mountain always had. I want the Hound to get revenge. I think we all need the Hound to get a little sense of revenge and vengeance and closure with his horrible, horrible brother, or what's left of him. And actually, quite frankly, a more dangerous version of his brother. I don't know how the mountain can be hurt. I think if you take off his head, he might still be alive. But Kevin raises a good question. What does that fight look like now? With six episodes left in the story, do we even need to see it? Is it part of the bigger story? 
Where should it happen? On top of the wall, Winterfell, down in, down in Dorne, on a frozen sea somewhere? How will this happen? And does this mean the Hound could be the Valonqar? Could he be the one that kills Cersei? And the mountain's just a creature in his way. Here's, here's what I'll say. I still want to see it. I still got lingering hype. I think we all should still be hyped. But the Hound in the Mountain has to have some sort of weight now to it outside of just their long-time brotherly feud. It cannot just be about the Hound seeking vengeance against his older brother who burned him and thus created the Hound as we knew it. It has to be about something else. And I don't necessarily think that's just Cersei. It might have to do with Arya. Does this happen at Winterfell with Arya in danger? Does this happen down in King's Landing where the story's progressed and now Arya's down there? I don't know, but I think it has to now be about something outside of the Hound. It can't just be a one-on-one battle between two brothers with long heat. No pun intended. We'll see how it happens. Right now, I wonder if it factors in to the end game. A lot of things just don't factor into the end game. The end game is John, the Night King. A lot of things are going to be cut away. A lot of things this season were cut away. I was kind of surprised that that was still there. I hope we get it. I just wonder, like Kevin asks, what will Clegane Bowl look like? Hey, Ken, I just want to say I'm 100% on board for Daily Thrones covering the Winds of Winter when it is released, and I, and I am of the, of the belief that it will be released before Season 8 drops. I mean, there, as you know, there's so many things that are different. There's, you know, there's storylines that are going on that never happened on the show. There are characters that are still alive that, that are long dead on the show. I know when that book comes out, I'm going to go into seclusion. I have to know what happens with Stannis in the Winds of Winter. Does his story end at Winterfell if he ever even gets there? Or does it go on, which is something I'm very fascinated about. But so much, so much more. So, yep, definitely on board for Daily Thrones covering the winds of winter. Eric's on board for covering the winds of winter, and I'm sure a lot of you are. We'll see how we can do it and break it down. And I do feel, like Eric said and I had said previously, I really feel strongly the winds of winter will hit before season eight. And that begs the question, how different will it be? How different will the story change what we uh, have come to learn on the show? And when it is different, because I'm sure a lot of it will be different, even moments like Hodor's death, George R. R. Martin has always said, hey, it's similar in the books, but not the same. Will it change? Will it have any impact on the show? On the show? Now, I'm one of the people who kind of uh, looks at the show different from the book now. It took me a while to get to that point. But it's also interesting because I was show first, then got so heavy into the books that I started to become one of those snobby book people. But you have to understand there's so much more in the books. So when we get upset about Dorn and the Dornish plan on uh, the show being so much uh, smaller and insignificant compared to the books, hey, it's with some merit because those stories are so good and so thick and juicy, which is how we like good literature, thick and juicy, right? Phrasing. But I'll tell you what, will it affect how you view season eight if Winds of Winter comes out and drastically changes some things and you like it better? And do you always like things better in the books and the show? I still think Clash of Kings is a great book, but season two, which was mostly what Clash was based on, was a little bit uh, better. The story's more clear. We had some great moments that I wish we had in the books. I wish Ari and Ty, when we're uh, at Hall, were in the books, because I would have loved to see George R. R. Martin dig into that stuff. So the show is different from the books. That's a given. 
We know that. But can you separate the two if Winds of Winter comes out and dramatically changes or in some points of view dramatically improves what we've seen on the show? How much will the book affect Season 8? Let me know here on Daily Thrones. Don't forget to favorite the station. Do not miss a broadcast all the way through the off-season and up to episode uh, 1, what is it, episode 74? What is it? I lost track. (laughs) Season 8. That's what we're building to. You guys know. I'll be here. Daily Thrones is also a podcast on Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Find it there. Subscribe, rate, review. Do all those good things. We'll see you tomorrow. Get your calls in here to Daily Thrones.